Hey, Hyvie and Steve here with a quick note about our incredible sponsor, Timeless Pints. Timeless Pints is now taking reservations for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They've got food trucks available so you can enjoy a lovely outdoor meal along with the best beer in Southern California while safely socially distancing from other beer lovers and still keeping your germs and all of your appendages to yourself. I'm talking to you, Nico. God, Nico. Stacy, Chris, Nico. and Mary have Chris tables set up outside, outside. With the TV and the game on. But most importantly, it's about the beer. They've got light beer, dark beer, stouts, porters, Belgians, IPAs. It's all brewed locally in Lakewood on site at Timeless Pints. What more do you want? Timeless Pints is open for growler fills on Wednesday and Thursday. They are closed Monday and Tuesday to recharge and brew more of the best beer in Southern California just for you. To make reservations for Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, call or text the Timeless Pints hotline at 714-309-1254. Again, that's 714-309-1254. And you can also follow Timeless Pints on Twitter at Timeless Pints. And when you make it down there for a growler fill on Wednesday or Thursday or a reservation on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, be sure to tell them that the Wretched Hive sent you. Oh boy, we've got some stuff to talk about tonight. This is a huge, huge week in news, and we are so glad that you've joined the Wretched Hive podcast for Friday. We can fix this later, it's okay. I don't know, I've only been doing this five years. Um, 2020, what year is it? 2020, right? Still, still, good lord. 164 of the show, my name is Steve Baldwin, and the entire Hive is with us. To celebrate so much, we've got The Mandalorian dropping today. We've got candidates for president. Of course, of I'm a third about world country. Kanye West. Talking about Star Wars. We've got. <laughs> Maybe not. So I think technically much. Kanye is a vice presidential candidate right now, oh, isn't he? Right. In, ca- in California. In oh, California. Okay. Well, maybe in four years. We'll see. We've got political talk. We've got the hive goes political tonight. What? And maybe most of all, we've got a Dodger World Championship to celebrate on the hive tonight. We're so glad that you're here to do it with us. Let's introduce the gang. First up, as always, he is the Wookiee co-pilot, Greg Lent. Steven Biz Nasty. Good Lord. Let me just say. When young Stephen Biznasty went on the first date with his current wife mm-hmm. was literally the last time the Dodgers won the World Series. Now, yep. it was the Kurt Gibson home run, but that was the year that, that the Dodgers won, and that was game two, That right? was game one in that was game one. That was our third date. Oh, so- that was your third date. Yeah. Yes. Not the no. only home run hit that night. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are now, 
just a short 32 freaking years later. And mm. we're in title town, guys. Turns out COVID, nothing, LA titles, two. That's mm. what we're talking about. Yes. That's right. <laughs> you got it. You're damn straight. We are the world champions. This is your world champion Dodger show. If you're a Star Wars fan. Well, Lakers, too. Thanks, Greg. And Lakers. And the Rams are pretty damn good, too. Hi, Cara. Don't hit the microphone, Car. <laughs> also joining the show tonight, he is a lifelong Dodger and Star Wars fan, Evansky. Oh, Steve, I just got back, man. I've been doing donuts in the street. I've been launching bottle rockets off. I've been drinking like a motherfucking pirate, but not a Pittsburgh pirate, a L.A. Dodger pirate. No, I'm so excited, Steve. Uh, we got some Dodger fans on the show here. We're excited to just talk Star Wars. I am pumped for this week. So excited. Damn. It's an it's an exciting week in Star Wars. I mean, you know, the Mandalorian season two is dropping, and I'm not sure which is. Would you rather have quick 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 Star Wars choices? Would you rather have Mandalorian or uh, this week or a a Dodger World Championship, Scott? Really quick choices. Just you get both. Steve. You get both, Steve. Yeah, I yeah. know that's the point. <laughs> I get both. Uh, I, you know, I would always say a Dodger Championship, but damn, I get both this week. You yeah. know what? My new buddy who's sitting over here with me, me and Cody Bellinger, just hanging out. Soon to be ex-Dodger Cody Bellinger. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll cover that when we get into Dodger talk. Greg Lent, Uh, world's first general manager. Also on the show tonight, he is the captain of the Nico Rodriguez. Hi, how we doing? Hey, hi, hello. Great, man. How are you? I am it, okay, I'm okay. All right, okay. Not as okay. hyped as three fifths of the hive. Fresh um, back from Nebraska, how can you not be hyped? Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here, but yeah, um, sports ball. Woo, go team! Yay, people won things. Los Angeles. What um, is more exciting, Nico? The Dodgers winning the title or Nebraska? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've driven through Nebraska. He's, he's so. just stunned. He's, he's you stunned him into silence there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, hey, Nebraska. It a snowed state. while I was in Nebraska. That was cool. I'm sure it was below 32 degrees. Cool. Yeah. It was cold, even. Yeah. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was something. Probably a little bit more than cool. <laughs> All right, this guy's a little more than cool, and. Finally, this is outrageous. We have. Where are the armed men who come in to take the protesters away? Dave. This kind of behavior is never tolerating. Under, under no circumstances. You shout like that, they they put you in jail. Should you ever? No trial, no no nothing. And I mean, journalists. We have a special jail for journalists. Ever. You're stealing. Right to jail. <laughs> Call him. You're playing music too loud? Right to jail. Harry. You're driving too fast? Jail. Slow? Jail. Potter. You overcook chicken? Also jail. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, well, fall, you fall in love at first meeting on Bachelorette? Also jail. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome to the show, Dave. 
When did Fez from uh, That 70s Show join our cast? <laughs> You're just uh, jealous I'm so sexy, Scott. I cannot help it, you know. Oh, my God. So this is good. First of all, good afternoon, good evening, good morning to you, wherever, whenever, however you are listening to us. We are five by five here tonight. It is the end of October. It is less than a week to Election Day and less than a week to the revolution for good or for bad. Seriously, I I, there's so much going on that we're going to talk about tonight. This may be the first Star Wars podcast that has very little Star Wars on it. But I will throw out there that there may be some Star Wars bonus content for you Hyvians. So if you make it through tonight and you didn't get enough Star Wars, there may be some bonus content for you Hyvian fans over the weekend that may or may not correspond with a Star Wars event. But I was struck today thinking about how the things that we're going to get together and talk about tonight, because you can, we're friends, we've been doing this for five years, I can kind of anticipate where things are going at this point. And I do think it is a little endemic of just how COVID has transformed the world right now. It's not just that there's a lack of Star Wars content out there to talk about in terms of new pop culture stuff. Pop culture has largely evaporated from the world mm. because of COVID and what the pandemic is doing to business. Uh, and that's where we're at tonight, talking about sports and politics a bit more than we would have, say, a year ago. Yeah. I don't know, I just, just the that's thoughts that were running through my head today. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut both of you guys off. Sorry about that. Yeah, you know, you know it's, it's kind of funny because, yeah, the only things I have to look forward to, and this really, uh, you've, you've really just kind of killed my soul just a little bit right now. The only things I have to look forward to are the Dodgers World Series win, which is now over. I, don't, I no longer have that to look forward to. And the election, which I'm dreading. So yeah. thanks, thanks, Dave. Hey, the, the <laughs> Lakers just won the title too. Did we talk about yeah. it on the last show? They did. They did. I don't no, think I don't we think brought it. that up. That was I don't another think we Los did. Angeles win. They win with cool right? Did win a title too as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's cool. I'm not as invested in the LeBron James era Lakers though. I'm really, I'm really not. Um, I mean, I'm glad they won, and I'm still, you know, I like the Lakers a lot, but uh i don't know it's 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 cool it's really cool when you see like you know with with kobe coming kobe was a homegrown talent talent Shaq wasn't but you know they brought him in young enough i mean this is clearly the end of lebron's career um Shaq was still a young guy when they brought him in. it was his first real big free agent contract when they brought him in yeah um, and kobe was obviously homegrown and before that you know magic and and worthy and and scott were all laker legends they brought in kareem uh, you know, a few years into his career, but I mean, all of his uh, big moments were were driven by his career with the Lakers. So, Greg, seeing Greg, this team that was assembled like that, it's 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 not it's not what I what I think of when I think of the Lakers. Well, hey, Greg, yeah. I didn't want to talk about my time on the Lakers, but thanks for pointing that out that I was there. Uh, <laughs> Scott Avansky, six one, six eight, with the afro. <laughs> it, it does. It does have the feeling of a little bit of a of a purchased world championship with LeBron. A little bit, right? A little, yeah. little bit. Although you could say that with the Dodgers too, with Mookie Betts and some of the other big contracts. But most of the Dodgers lineup is either castoffs uh, or homegrown talent. Or any year the Yankees win, <laughs> and, and I was just going to say to Nico, we didn't, we did. I don't know that we talked about the LA Lakers World Championships because there have been so many riots in LA this year. It's kind of hard to distinguish the ones where we win a sports championship. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I will counter the 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 purchase at Dodgers champions. I mean, sure, Mookie Mookie aside, 
the team that was fielded out there was largely the team that competed in in 2017. Yeah, for sure. That's so, true. That team has yeah. been together for a long time. Absolutely. So now it's time to break that shit up. And and seven <laughs> I, now seven straight division titles. Go ahead, Dave. I have to set the stage a little for what Steve in particular's uh, last night was because we're recording this now a mere 24 hours after the Dodgers win and clinch in game six. And thank God they did because uh, Turner's COVID diagnosis could have turned the whole World Series on its head if uh, if they hadn't wrapped it up last night. But uh, Steve, I was fortunate and blessed enough to watch the Saturday night game with Steve Baldwin where the Dodgers lost the game in a in a double Buckner moment is really the only way I can describe the uh, rather bizarre sequence of one-time events that all happened in a half a second of each other to cause the Dodgers to lose that game. And frankly, in soul crushing fashion, I was Steve. I know my sincerity does not come through when I text sometimes, but I meant it when the Dodgers won Sunday night, that they were all bigger men than I would be able to. Cause after what happened on the Saturday night game, there is no way on God's green earth. I could have been focused, energized and mentally competitive to go out and be in that game, let alone win that game. I, I, I feel you. And you know how despondent I was. Um, I mean, that was really hard to live through. Um, and boy, and, you know, we went down from being, you know what, since really quick, I'm going to put this on pause for a second because I have a little Dodger theme music for, uh, to play tonight for us. So just want to have this in the background here as we. OK, so we're going to let this go for a little bit, because I, I got to say it wasn't just the Dodgers double Buckner moment in that whole play, though. There was a Rosa Reina and his just. Yeah ridiculous base running first of all falling over uh and then that slide that barely reaches home plate i mean barely got to home plate when he hit that slide that i don't know what demons possessed the field in that particular moment but god did not want anybody to win that game apparently he, he, the, the frozen camera shot of him kind of realizing he had scored the winning run just him lying on the ground just kind of looking about in wide-eyed astonishment that that really is one of the great baseball photos in the moment because he just seemed dumbfounded hey, what just happened it happened all right um <laughs> You know, it was a it was a weird bad news bears moment, and and you know when I texted back to you, Dave, it's like you got to have a short memory in professional sports because to do what those guys did the next night, come out and be competitive, man, uh, after a soul crushing loss like that, um, it really says a lot about the character of this team, and uh, they they came so close in 2017, really got cheated out of a, out of a championship. 2018, you can make the same argument, maybe not to the same extent, but the Red Sox were cheating also. Uh, didn't make it in 2019, and then to come back and win this year, it's a it's a big big win for the Dodgers and for LA. So it feels great. It feels. And you know, I gotta, and you know give it up to a, a who's the Rays manager? Brian Cash is that his name? Brian. Give uh, it up to that guy for taking a page out of the uh, out of the Dave Rogers. Uh, uh, Robert's managerial style of pulling your hot pitcher when he's just dominating the other team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I would go so far as to say that he went beyond Robert, man, because Snell was actually on fire, and he's pulled Kershaw before where I was like, well, okay, he looks a little tired, but this was like 
I'm a Dodger fan going, what the actual fuck are you doing right now? This, this guy struck out the top of the order twice. Yes. <laughs> and what, Scott, one on the I want to win this game, and I'm so happy you're doing this, but seriously, what the fuck, man? What are you doing? <laughs> and, and, and by the way, that top of the order striking out twice uh, for the Dodgers never happened all season. Yeah. That game. Yeah. He was just on. I was glad to see him go, and boy, it paid off for the Dodgers. Well, Immediately, yeah. <laughs> uh, we are the champions, guys. We, we've uh, we've done it, and we deserve to brag a little bit after taking so much heat for all those losses. Uh, Suck it, Potter. Harris. Yeah, yeah. Suck it, Potter. Thing. Karen uh, asked nicely if she could videotape me the last out, and did. And I think many of you have seen this posted now on Facebook. I actually regret her not videotaping me the entire game because it was <laughs> Greg, you said you were stressed out or worried about the election. I add that that game as my like anxiety levels just went right through the fucking roof. Like it was so stressful. And when those last outs happened, I'd lost my proverbial shit. Like I just went nuts and had a great time. But w- that moment when you're talking about that picture, Oh my God. When Snell was pulled, I actually sat there. And I'm like, I, I looked over at Karen. I'm like, if you know baseball, nobody in their right mind would do what he's doing right now. Nobody knows yeah. what he's doing right now. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, I get the the, an, the analytics of it. You know, he's he's completely, you know, you want to talk, you know, he's going the, the money ball route is what he's doing. And But, I mean, the dude had pitched, like, he'd thrown, like, 75 pitches in, in that neighborhood at that point. He was still throwing heat. And he's yeah. and he's coming up against guys that he had dominated twice <laughs> earlier in the game. I'm like, what do you? I mean, really, just get it, let him get one more inning out of this, you know? Yeah. And seriously, yeah. I felt like I was watching like Rocky and Apollo Creed, and at some point they just said, you know, hey, let's just pull him out of here, put in some like Joker third string guy, and uh, give Rocky a Jolt Cola while we're at it. I mean, yeah, that's what he felt like. And I and I, you know, I I really got a tip my cap to the Rays. They're a great team. And I really feel bad for Nick Anderson, that pitcher that they brought in because he was lights out all season and probably tired because he gave up a run, at least one run in the last six outings that he pitched in the playoffs and uh, including that world series game. Um, so poor guy, but, um, yeah, the Dodgers certainly earned the championship and, um, you know, congratulations all you Dodger fans and Dodger fans on the hive. Can I can I back up for a second just to talk about the Turner COVID diagnosis? Because that is that is like uh, a fascinating footnote to this whole thing yeah, to me. It is. Yeah, please do. So did you how you guys are much bigger Dodger fans and baseball fans than I am. So I'm sure that you noticed that Turner was pulled from the game and there was no explanation given for it. And you well, and I'm and just they, Yeah, they even made mention of it. At the it was the was at the top of the ninth inning or was the top of the eighth inning when they put Rios in in place for him and there was like why is Turner coming out uh, we don't you know we we don't know if he's hurt we don't because it was just a complete mystery why he was pulled you know between innings I just figured it was Dave Roberts taking his uh, pitching philosophy to the rest of his team at that point but. <laughs> It was really weird to have it happen late in the game in a game six of the World Series. It's so uh, strange. So I I read what happened was that they did COVID tests on Monday. 
and that Turner's test came back inconclusive, so they ordered an immediate second test for him that was done Tuesday and rushed it. And that came back positive, and it came back positive while the game was being played. And under the rules and protocols that they have is once you're positive, you have to be you have to be pulled. You're just you're done. That's it. There's no question about it. So they they did the right thing on that. But mm-hmm. the fascinating thing to me is what would have happened next? What if what if the Rays had won game six? Because the way the, the baseball protocols work now, my understanding is they would have had to shut the World Series down for a couple of days until they were sure the outbreak hadn't spread to other people on the team. Yeah, on earlier earlier in the in the in the season, you know, I think baseball kind of had the worst of it of all of the sports leagues. Like the NHL during their shortened season, I don't think had one COVID outbreak at all. Um, and but all of their players played completely isolated. Uh, NBA had very few, if any, as well. Also played extremely isolated. The couple of players got in trouble because they broke the bubble, so to speak, and went out to to some gentlemen's clubs during the season. But that was early on. Um, but baseball had a couple of issues uh, of issues. They had a, a couple of breakouts because they did not um, play in a bubble at all. Yeah, and I, I think it was the the Phillies had to not play for like two weeks or something like that. But it's not only the Phillies; it was the entire team. Uh, yeah. But the team that they had faced that night also had to quarantine for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think this would have been a break in the World Series for two weeks. I think it would have been because that yeah. would that was the protocol every other time. The teams that you're, I think you were talking about, Greg, are the Florida Marlins had a really bad outbreak and uh, St. Louis. Cardinals had uh, I don't know if it was as bad, but they was had it some the Phillies too. Though wasn't the Phillies also? Um, was it the Phillies? It Did may it, have been, but it doesn't Phillies matter. Bad yeah. outbreak also. But the 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 baseball playoffs were done in a bubble. So so number one, how Turner turned up positive will be a story. Like what happened yeah. there? Yeah. Um, there were a couple of Indians. I mean, baseball took it very seriously. There were a couple of players that went out after a game, tried to sneak out, got caught, and got demoted to the minors. I mean, Ooh. it was like a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so baseball was taking it very seriously. And um, I'm with you, Dave. I, th- I think that the Dodgers actually got very lucky that it didn't happen a day earlier or and that they won game six and wrapped it up because – can you imagine if it was like tied 3-3 and they had to delay game seven for several days? I mean, yeah. that would be high drama. It, 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 Sammy, it, our, our mutual friend Sammy in the seventh inning posted about how he could uh, poop a bunch of diamonds because that's how tense he was. That would have turned all of uh, all of baseball fans to pooping diamonds for a week while they, they tried to sort that out. And I'm also reading that Turner might face some kind of discipline from Major League Baseball for going back out onto the field after the Dodgers won to celebrate with the team. And I'm that I'm like, come on guys. Can we just, can we just be real for a minute here? They won the world series. Can we be real for just a minute here and let him celebrate and enjoy that life achievement on the field? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't get the reporting. I'm seeing that there's going to be some kind of punishment for now free agent, Mr. Turner. Well, here's I mean, I get all the concern and I understand that. I think the big issue right now is the way that the test came back. So first it was inconclusive. Then you come back with a positive. I think there should be one more test involved to at least confirm the positive, because if that test comes back as a false positive, 
and he his first test was an incl- inconclusive test, they should confirm it 100%. But, I, you know, I, there's so many things to talk about, and I know it's going to be tough to make those choices and calls on that because this is obviously a serious issue. But there are other problems with this league anyway and, and certain people involved with the, like the, running this whole thing, the commissioner. Um, I, I don't even want to get – I'm going to get into this. I'm going to get heated and angry about it. That's all I know. But I just – it's frustrating with the way that I think certain things have been handled. You could even talk about the COVID thing with those teams I mentioned before. They didn't put the, the restrictions down tight enough at the beginning of the season. That's why we had an outbreak at the Marlins. They went out partying after a game and just everyone – like 17 people ended up on that entire team was like – pretty much gone. They were pulling like all their third rate people coming in and it was insane. Why? Well, in a way it's interesting. It's an interesting sort of test case for how, how, how we view COVID now compared to how we were viewing it back in June and July. Um, you know, because I, I'm looking at the guys on the field celebrating and they're, nobody's wearing a mask. Um, and granted they're a team and they're in their own bubble, but there were other PR guys out on the field and passing out. You notice they started to pass out masks. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember yeah, the beginning of the celebration, everybody on the Dodgers was wearing a mask at the very beginning of it. Right. But yeah. like, uh, like I had turned it off, but Turner had come back out, you know, after they had kicked him out of the stadium. Well, not really out of the stadium, just out of the field. He yeah. came back out for the celebration. I mean, you can't blame the guy it's you know it's a it's potentially a once in a lifetime opportunity i mean there's no guarantee they're going to get back and win the world series again we know as much as we would like them to i mean it took 32 years to get this fucking one right now so who knows when the next one's going to come right so i you know i would feel bad that he had to miss it but you know by the same token he he really is putting other guys in danger so Okay, yeah. hold on. I'm it's, I'm gonna be the one that's gonna be the fucking shithead for saying this, but I cannot get away with it. And this is no excuse for what I'm about to say. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Greg. And I, I feel very strongly about this. And you know how we've been treating this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Sorry mm-hmm. to get so serious, um, but it's a tough call. Here's a guy who wants to celebrate with his team. He's yeah. had an inc- inconclusive test, then a positive test. And I think that third test should have happened. Now, that strips him of the celebration, even though he broke that protocol and came back out on the field. But you know what? Let's stop for a second. And I hate being the blame guy, but you have the person leading this country who is, um, my personal feeling is, a complete jackass. That guy has not promoted masks or safety at all, has downplayed every single virus. And I'm not trying to get political on this because that's going to be Dave's area later on. But I want you to see if you have the leader of your country showing no regard whatsoever for this virus and you have a team that has been actually in a bubble for the last, what, month and a half, two months, taking very good care of themselves and had an inconclusive test. I mean, the president of the United States went out after being diagnosed with COVID, went to the hospital, left early and went out on a campaign rally tour, not wearing a mask in front of people. We mm-hmm joked about him being a super spreader so i feel bad because i want to be like justin what are you doing you're the heart and soul of this team you should be an example plus you're one of the people that promoted the idea of the bubble in the whole first place like he was one of the guys that's the reason why i was so proud and happy of the dodgers is they you know did a lot of things this year that could have been very controversial and were 
like taking a knee at the beginning of the season. I know most teams did, you know, but they were out there trying to be respectful. He put out a lot of the protocols inside the Dodger dugout with the management saying, we want to be six feet apart. We want people every time they're in the dugout to have a mask on. When you're out on the field, you have limited exposure to certain people at certain times on the, but you, all that stuff was coming out of Justin's mouth. And then here's this moment where he finally gets a chance to celebrate. And I want him to go out there and be that way. And, and it was shocking to see him be pulled away. But again, you have the leader of our country setting the worst example for the people of his country. And then you have one guy who wants to celebrate for one second with an inconclusive test and then a possible positive test. I have a hard time not feeling bad for the guy, like wanting to go out there. And like we all know, 32 oh, yeah. years, this team yeah. has had that yeah. moment. Well, I, and, I, and, I, and I, he's going to be, gonna be a free, and he's a free agent now, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Greg, to your point, no guarantee the Dodgers will get back. No guarantee Turner's going to be on the Dodgers if they go back. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's been the really the heart and soul of the team for for six years. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, I think if I think if that happens to a rookie that rode the bench all year, maybe that kid doesn't get to come back out. But you know, it's Justin Turner. I, I, I'm with you, Scott. I mean, I you know. My job compels me to 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 um, promote masks twenty four seven, but I think you know I, I think you have to assess the risk and and you know his teammates actually said um, Mookie Betts was in the newspaper today saying he is part of this team he is welcome on the field and we'll deal with the rest later. Um, yeah. So you know, yeah. talk about a family, a, a team is like a family. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm uh, sure to I, a I man, all the all those. I'm sure to a man, positive test be damned. All of those players wanted him out there. Of course, I, yeah. I am, yeah. You know, I am. I am sure of that. They will. They will circle the wagons around yeah. that. One hundred percent, Greg. Yeah. Yep. And well, if we're ever good. doing a live event and one of you has COVID, stay the fuck away. You're not welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I. But uh, you. You, the, you can <laughs> almost equip. This is a little. This is taking a little far for purpose of example, but. Right. If this was happening during oh. the one of the Bulls dynasty runs in basketball and Jordan tested positive in a game six and got pulled in the last five minutes, is anybody going to really tell Michael Jordan he can't come out of the locker room and hoist the championship trophy with the rest of the Bulls? Not if they want to live. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Like, it's, it's... <laughs> OK, what if this was Cody Bellinger? <laughs> <laughs> oh, who, gives, oh, who cares about him? He's off the team anyway next year. Well, right, Greg? Team, it's, right? funny you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned Bellinger because because uh, he came out and he he was wearing the chin diaper. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at the TV. I'm going, Cody, put your mask on. Yeah. Wow, but, Steve, you had a lot of emotional. You it was like an emotional journey for you last night for a lot of reasons, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was. It was. Yeah. And the funny thing is, too, when he came back out, a lot of the photos, not all of them, but a lot of the video and the photos, he was wearing a mask. When I saw him holding the trophy, he did have a mask on. That yeah. doesn't mean yeah. he's safe, but he's being safer than what I've seen literally the president of the United States being. So, again, I can't. Yeah, he, didn't, he didn't keep the mask on, though. That's the thing. He, no, he nor was he wearing gloves when he was handling the trophy that was being handled by like a dozen other people, at least. Right. Yeah, I'm wondering if people were sitting there when we didn't see it on camera, just spraying that thing down with alcohol. Or something. <laughs> right. All, yeah. all of all of the 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 champagne popping was just bottles of uh, alcohol and iodine. Is all. It was. <laughs> I mean, when Turner licked the trophy and then wiped it all over Will Smith's face, that was probably inappropriate. I mean, let's, 
All right. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, guys, let's 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 move on from this. We we have uh, we have some other non Star Wars stuff to cover. And uh, Scott, you've kind of led us down this path of uh, getting a little political here. You, you mentioned the my bad the forty fifth president of the United States, uh, Donald Trump, is up for reelection. I don't know if you guys have heard. There's an election happening what? next. What? Yeah, what? next next week, Tuesday. Get out and vote. By the way, I'm hearing. Uh, well, maybe Dave, you can confirm this uh, really quick before you begin. I've I've heard that if you have not mailed in your vote, do not mail it in now. It's too late. You need to go and turn it in, uh, or go and show up and vote at a voting uh, at a polling uh, location. That that is my opinion now as well. Uh, laws on ballot returns vary from state to state, but there right. are many states that if the ballot is not received, understand there's a difference between postmarked and received. If the ballot is not received by election day, it will not be counted. So it really it really depends on your state rules, though. Every yeah, state's there, there's a, on, there's yeah there's a lot of things going up to the Supreme Court right now. Was it Philadelphia today that they just announced that they will accept up to eleven days after, as long as it's postmarked by the third, mm. they will count it up to eleven days after election and, day. And North Carolina, but I would argue that the Supreme Court is allowing those exceptions to happen because the way the laws are written in those states. It actually gives discretion to election boards to make that decision on their own. Not every state has a law written with that level of discretion. Yeah. The Supreme Court has batted down some extensions in some states where the courts were unilaterally deciding to extend it out just because of everything that's happening, which is a humane thing to do, but is perhaps not something that is a, a legally granted power anywhere. So – I just uh, generally speaking, I would agree with what Steve is saying and why that is. Don't take the chance. Hand deliver a ballot at this point. I myself have not turned my ballot in. I always vote on election day. I will be turning my ballot in on election day here in California. And it'll give me a chance to check out the crowds firsthand, see if there are any armed poll watchers there. I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. You may mm -hmm. see some live Facebooking from video from me if I think things are exciting mm -hmm. when I go down there. But I'm hoping it'll just be a calm, orderly mass of people all socially distanced and wearing masks. All right. Now, uh, we've been talking uh, for, well, a long time about this election. Uh, but last week, we promoted that we are going to have a segment where we let uh, our resident political expert, Dave Potter, fill us in on the latest and greatest with the election. Uh, the, the wretched hive gets political. Uh, now we, Dave and I did a show, uh, a podcast, a very short run. We, I think we did about uh, 15 episodes of a show called the electoral college. And, uh, so I've Dave, I've resuscitated the theme song oh, dear God. The electoral college. just for you, Dave. That's right. Well, sure this was a political podcast, the latest episode. <laughs> of the Electoral College Podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin. And joining me is former White House intern, Dave Potter. Dave, welcome to The Hive Gets Political. You're stealing right to jail. 
Greg Lentz uh, is just oh so proud of himself right now. You have no idea, folks. Except <laughs> now we we have all kinds of uh, clips to play uh, over you, Dave. So, Dave, fill us in. What's going on with this election? I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are. What's the so, latest and who's going to win this thing, Dave? That That is such a broad question. What's going on with this election? I could probably talk for an hour of what's going on with the election. But you got about 25 minutes, so keep all it right. Who's <laughs> That's what she said. I. Uh, so there are three scenarios, I think, for this this election in terms of the presidency. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the Senate or the House. Uh, spoiler alert, the House, the House will stay Democratic. Uh, the Senate should flip to Democrat. It's just going to be a question of how Democratic the uh, chamber will go. Wow. Presidents, okay. Yeah. How far will it go? Will it be a narrow lead of like you know 51 to 49 seats or will it be something big will it be something like uh 57 58 democratic uh chamber versus 43 42 can, can, can i interrupt for just a second i because I, i've i've heard of all of the i don't know what i would say all i've heard of a lot of the the seats where they are in danger of flipping from red to blue um there there are several of those that are that that are out there are there any seats that are uh, in danger of going the other way? Democratic, currently Democratic held seats that potentially could flip to Republican. Anything out there, out there like that? There are two that are widely accepted to be uh, possible. One is uh, in all likelihood probable at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. That is uh, Senator Doug Jones of Alabama. Alabama. The guy widely accepted. Won, won against Roy Moore last time, right? He won against uh, accused child molester Roy Moore in a squeaker. By the way, in a squeaker in Alabama, Allegedly. alleged, yeah, okay. yeah, and uh, he is uh, running against a uh, former Auburn football coach, uh, Tommy Tuberville, this time. <sighs> Dave, Dave, did you say the Alabama race was a squeaker? Wasn't that Roy Moore's nickname, the squeaker? Oh, <laughs> wait a minute, oh, that was that was that was what he called the high school girls he was hitting on, Scott. Oh, wait, wait, I just got back up. I'm sorry, this is news to Tommy Tuberville is the Democratic. Candidate Republican, Republican. Republican. Oh, sorry. Republican. Okay. Republican. Doug Jones. Doug, Doug Jones. I'm just curious Republican. what what okay. we have to if we're if we're talking all these seats that we could possibly flip. What could be flipping the other way? That that is one that will, okay, in all probability, flip the other way. And I am including in my math when I'm talking about what the final seat count will be for the Democratic Party. By yes. any chance is Bob Iger running Bob Iger. running for anything? No, Bob Iger is not running for anything. Okay. All right. Hang on. Making a note. I got a full 45 seconds in before it, it stopped being a serious podcast. Okay, hang on. Uh, <laughs> the, the other Senate seat is uh, Gary Peters from Michigan. He's the current uh, junior senator for the state of Michigan. Uh, it's widely thought that his seat is also vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I don't think his is going to flip, mostly because I think uh, Michigan is going to vote for Joe Biden, and I don't think there are enough split-ticket voters in the state of Michigan to flip the Senate seat to a Republican while having a, the presidential vote be for the Democrat, Joe Biden. But those are the two seats that everybody's looking at as the possibilities, and I would I would tend to agree with those. I don't think that there's really much of anything else on the Democrat side that's going to switch over. And you may think that that's being uh, horribly naive or somehow it's horribly unfair, but the way the chips fell this time around, the Democrats just aren't defending that many seats, and the majority yeah. of the seats that they're defending are very, very safe. Yeah, you should have been able to say that about the Republicans, but not in 2020 because, hi, it's 2020. Yeah, that's right. that's the thing. You, you, it's you ha- you have to realize when the seats are up and 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 they, they yeah they don't always fall. They're in four year they're in four year terms still, right? But but six. they're oh they're six year terms, 
and they fall. Not everybody goes on that sixth year. Like you know, it's there'll be there'll be some now. There'll be some more in two years. There'll be some more yeah. two years after that. So yeah, okay, generally so, speaking, every every two years you elect a sen- you elect a senator. You elect next two years you elect your second senator, and then the third two year you don't have any Senate seat up in your state. Okay, and then the cycle repeats. Got it. Gotcha. So Dave, let's talk about the, the the presidency. How how are we looking for the electoral college vote? Who's who? who what are you projecting in terms of uh, electoral college votes for for um, the president and for Mr. Biden? So there are three basic scenarios that I I think could happen uh, out of this election. I'm not going to say Tuesday night because I don't know that we're going to know for sure Tuesday night what's going to happen. Uh, scenario one. Trump wins a narrow victory in the Electoral College, and I will give that scenario a 20% chance of happening. That is basically a repeat of what happened in 2016. Uh, Scenario number two, uh, Biden wins a close, anywhere from a close to a normal victory range in the Electoral College, and I'm going to give that a 40% chance of happening. The third scenario is that Biden wins a blowout, and by that I mean a Reagan or Nixon-level mandate in the Electoral College. And I will also give that a 40% chance of happening. So while that means that Trump has a 20% chance of winning, uh, that's about the chance that he had in 2016. And we all know how that turned out. Biden has an 80% chance of winning by that formula. But, you know, it also means that there's about 2020. Yeah, it also (laughs) means that there's about a 40 to 50% chance of this being a close or very close election in the Electoral College. And that would mean a prolonged dispute or battle fought throughout multiple states to contest the validity of that state's election uh, results. And that would be extraordinarily bad for the country, regardless of who the final victor is. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody will win in that scenario, but it's going to be at a terrible cost for the country. Yeah, that, the, the nightmare scenario for everybody, I think, is the Biden winning by a close margin because that is just going to create havoc. I mean, it's either got to be Trump's got to win or Biden's got to win huge because the the scenario where Biden wins close, man, I I can't even fathom the conspiracy theories that are going to be flowing back and forth if that happens. Oh, you, can, you don't have to you don't have to come up with them, Greg, because he's already putting them out there, and I hate yeah, to say, yeah. Yeah. But if you have the leader of the free world, you know, retweeting unbelievable conspiracy theories, but then creating his own by literally telling us that he is creating the the upset in the election that's going to happen. I don't know. I, that's that's been his game plan all along. He tells you what he's going to do, but nobody stops him. So so I, I will just point out that uh, if anybody if anybody believes Trump would not dispute a, a close election that Biden won. Uh, this is a guy who disputed the validity of a presidential election that he won. He <laughs> of won. his own election. <laughs> that, that he won. And he, he said that, no, that result is incorrect. So I don't think he would have any, you his, know, any you hesitation know, if Dave, he thought his, it was the difference between winning and losing. You're mm-hmm. right. You're 100% right. And the funny thing about that is when he disputed it, uh, uh, not just once, it continued through three and a half years. It's the fact that he can't take the fact, you know, the, the, the we know that he lost a popular vote. People can't come to grips with that if they don't understand the voting process, the electoral college and all that. You know, so what? Oh, he won. Great. But we know he lost by what? Three and a half million votes. Was it? Mm-hmm. Allegedly. About three million. 
<laughs> That's the word. swear to God, if I don't have to hear that word for the next four years, I'm going to be so happy. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Dave. So, okay, so, so Dave, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so Dave, um, break it down a little bit for, if you don't mind, um, get a little more granular with with the electoral um, college voting. So, if you can focus in on on the key states, you already called uh, Michigan for Biden. Um, share your thoughts on Pennsylvania, Florida, Wisconsin, the other sort of key states that we've that we're watching closely. So I have grouped states into three basic categories, three basic buckets, if you will. Uh, and these are states that are interesting to me. There are a lot of states that literally you can, uh, you know, you don't have to be Kreskin to know how they're going to vote. I'm not that interested in how they're turning out. But I put other states into three categories, uh, the first one being critical states. These are probably the most important ones out there. And they are Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Florida, North Carolina, and then, because I'm getting really granular on you, uh, Maine Congressional District 1 and wow. Nebraska Congressional District 2. Hmm. So, so what's unique about any, those congressional districts, uh, really quick, before you so go on? So first, I got to back up for a second to give you the little asterisk on the Electoral College. For the 50 states plus the District of Columbia, everybody assumes it's winner take all, right? I mean, if you follow the system, you know, California has 54, 55 votes. Texas has 38 votes. And it's winner take all, except for two states, the state of Maine and the state of Nebraska. Those two states award a statewide winner. They will get two votes because each state has two senators that represent the whole of the state. And then they award individual electoral votes based on the congressional districts. So in 2008, Barack Obama won Nebraska too, which is the congressional district that contains the city of Omaha, metropolitan center of Nebraska. And in 2016, Trump won Maine Congressional District 1, which is a more rural district and very much where his uh, voter base was for 2016 that he stitched together. So even though... Hillary Clinton won the state of Maine in 2016. She only got three electoral votes, and Donald Trump got one, and vice versa. In 2008, John McCain won the state of Nebraska but only received four votes. Barack Obama received the fifth. Those two one-off electoral college votes could become super, super critical in the event that it is a very close election. Because you only get to a 269-269 tie in the event that everybody's winning the entirety of all of the states. If somebody, you know, peels off that one vote for Nebraska or that one vote for Maine from the other person, and it is widely expected that Maine is going to vote for Joe Biden and that Nebraska is going to vote for Donald Trump. But if either of them can peel off that one vote, that could be the difference between the election being a tie at 269, 269 between uh, Biden and Trump, or somebody winning 270 electoral votes to 268 electoral votes. And remember, I've kind of laid out in my broad thinking scenarios that there's a pretty good chance, there's a you know about a 40% chance that the election might be that close, that it comes down to who wins the city of Omaha. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't keep you up at night, uh, stay tuned. I've got a little more to talk about here later. But I... I I created that cluster of these are the critical states simply because 
winning all or even most of these will virtually guarantee the victor the presidency. The challenge, though, for anybody looking to that batch of critical states and saying, I'm going to understand what's happening on election night, the challenge there is that most of these states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, they are going to be horrible about counting their ballots and releasing results on election night. Uh, Pennsylvania can't even start counting the absentee ballots that they're receiving until the polls close Wednesday night at, I believe, 8 p.m. Eastern time. What? They, they can't, can't even begin. Count? They can't even begin the verification process until then. And you contrast that with the state of Florida, which has already started counting ballots. Anybody who's mailed a ballot in in Florida that has been verified and accepted, that ballot has been opened. That ballot has been counted, and that information is sitting in an allegedly secure database somewhere that will not be opened and revealed until the polls close election night. So we should have a really solid vote count out of Florida on election night. And honestly, I will say as Florida goes, probably so goes the election. Trump has to win Michigan and Trump has to win Florida. There are virtually no scenarios for him in the Electoral College that don't involve winning one or both of those states. So if Biden can pull out a win in Florida, which I honestly think he can do, I look at the senior voting in this in this country right now in polls, and seniors are actually voting for Biden by a couple of points, and seniors voted for Trump by almost double digits in 2016. That demographic flipping alone should be enough to, to change Florida, assuming all other things are relatively equal. Because keep in mind, Trump won Florida by one point in 2016. Hmm. So that's batch number one. Okay. Critical states, and I would say of those two, watch Florida and watch North Carolina. Those are earlier, those are East Coast states. The polls will be closing earlier. They're both going to be counting votes and probably get through them before any of those Midwestern ones. So the second tier of swing states that I have, I call them important states, but they're not necessarily critical. And those states are Georgia, Arizona, Iowa, and Ohio. They are not critical to winning. Joe Biden could honestly lose all four of those states and still win the presidency. But winning them closes the paths available to Trump for re-election. In any close election, he must win all four of those states. So if Biden picks off some of them or most of them, you will know even before we get to 270 votes that Trump cannot win. I am keeping a particular close eye on Georgia because Georgia also has two, both of its Senate seats are up. It has one Senate seat on the normal cycle and they have a special election going on. And the special election in Georgia is uh, a bit of a jungle primary. Uh, Georgia had the, their senior senator retire a year, about a year and a half ago. The governor appointed uh, Kelly Loeffler to fill the seat. And if no candidate running and it's open, there she has a Republican major party Republican candidate running against her. If nobody gets over 50%, then the top two vote getters uh, go for a runoff election in December and the winner gets sworn in in January right before the new Congress uh, gets seated. She's actually running second place right now in that election. Uh, the Democrat is running first place and he's sitting at 41, 42%. If he can actually muster a vote above 50%, he short circuits the whole thing and there and he gets elected the, the new senator from Georgia coming out of this. So I'm really interested in what happens in that state. I'm going to be watching it very closely uh, Tuesday night. And, and this was uh, this had to do with your text the other night about, you know, uh, selecting, you know, you kind of wish that Stacey Abrams was in the mix uh, and in the conversation, given how close some of those Senate races are in the South. 
Yes, I and I, I I know I said it to you and uh, and the sixth Hyvian Chris Evans uh, many months ago that I thought Stacey Abrams politically would be a super smart pick for Joe Biden simply because of all those Senate races that are in the South and the importance of gaining control of the Senate for the Democratic Party. And I'm looking at it now and I'm looking at how close some of these races are. And I just it, it, all due respect to Senator Harris, who I have a lot of respect for. I really do. But Stacey Abrams, I just feel like would have been a more an even more energizing candidate for that particular region of the country. Okay, what's your third tier of states, Dave? Third tier of states are what I call the surprise states. So I said there's a 40 percent chance of a Biden blowout win. He has to pick up states in this tier in order for it to happen. So if you see states here starting to fall predominantly for Trump, that means it's not going to be a blowout win. Mm. It's going to be one of the other two scenarios. So the surprise states are Texas. Kansas, Indiana, Kentucky, South Carolina, Montana, and then uh, we have Nevada, New Hampshire, Minnesota. So those last three are states that uh, Hillary Clinton won in 2016, but that Trump has targeted because he want, he needs to expand the map a little bit to force the Democrats to play defense, and he needs to pick a couple of states off. Those are the three states that he's targeting. If you see any of those breaking for Donald Trump, then something is happening that is not what anybody is expecting, and we might be in that 20% scenario that I was referring to earlier. Okay. However, if you see some of these other states that I mentioned uh, go for Biden, if you see a South Carolina go for Biden or a Kansas go for Biden, then something big is happening the other way, and he could be on the way to a, a Reagan-esque uh, a victory. All right. That's awesome. I love the love the breakdown of the scenarios, love the three categories of states. Dave, I have to ask you, what what protect what is there to protect us from a member of the electoral college not following the um the edict of the voters and voting the way that they want to? Like let's say it's a really close election in one of these important states, like let's say Arizona is really close and it goes for Biden in a in a you know really close vote popular vote and the electoral college representative just says, nah, you know what? I'm, I'm casting our vote for Trump. Is that possible? Yes, it's happened. It happened in 2016. There were uh, electors that did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, it's been a largely untested area of law in the United States. It, there's nothing in federal law that prevents it. Uh, many states have passed what are, are known as faithless elector laws that are designed to create penalties for electors that don't vote the way that the uh, the state voted. The Supreme Court finally got asked to rule on that earlier this year. It's the first time any kind of a challenge for that had ever made it to the Supreme Court to test the validity of it. And the Supreme Court ruled that, yes, a state can pass a law to require an elector to vote the way that the state voters did. Uh, that ruling was made too late for anybody to make any changes for this particular go around. I don't remember off the top of my head which states all have those laws and which don't. Mm -hmm. The more concerning scenario to me is not if an elector decides to be faithless. The more interesting scenario to me is what if the state legislature decides they don't want to follow the will of the voter and appoint electors directly. There is a body of law that suggests that that is possible and legal and protected. Hmm. So if wow. you have a scenario like wow. in the state of Pennsylvania, which let's just say it goes for Biden, but let's say it goes for Biden in a in a narrow decision. Right. You know, let's say Biden wins by a point and a half, which would be a landslide compared to what Trump won the state by. The legislature in Pennsylvania is controlled entirely by the Republican Party. They could convene an emergency session 
and authorize their own slate of electors for Donald Trump and send them to Congress. And now you have two sets of electoral votes for Congress to unseal and look at. Dave, Dave, I'm curious if you don't mind me jumping in here. If um, So one of the things that's always been concerning for me, I mean, you obviously know my opposition towards the current president and, and his agenda and his views. But one of the biggest things is, you know, a lot of people talk about like, both sides, his side or, you know, his his followers, uh, the Democratic side talk about what he has done and what he hasn't done. And we can sit here all day and say he hasn't done anything except passed one horrible uh, uh, stimulus bill uh, that hasn't helped anybody in the middle class or the poor. But what really concerns me the most is how many judges he's put in place um, over the course of, what, nearly four years, uh, which I believe has exceeded 200. Is it 200 appointees? I, I don't have the exact number. I, I don't have the exact number either, but it is large. I want to say it's probably a quarter of the federal judiciary. So in the scenario that you and Steve were talking about, would that affect, could it essentially go to those courts and have a decision made based off of it? This is one of the reasons why I think a lot of us are concerned with the Supreme Court handling that has happened recently. Um, but this is all across the country. This is filling the courts with extremely conservative judges, which could alter possibly an election if brought to it. I think that's a concern that people have. I don't know that there's enough of a body of, of evidence to really look at rulings from across the country and, and say conclusively that, you know, people are justified or they're unjustified on it. Like I, I myself am a little hopeful because of the Supreme Court rulings that came down for uh, at the, that I discussed at the beginning of this for exactly the reason that I said. It appears to me that they are giving deference to local officials when the law specifically allows for it, and they are slapping that deference down when the law doesn't allow them to have deference, which is admittedly kind of a, a crappy way to look at it. But it gives me a little bit of hope, at least, that they're not trying to instill their judgment somewhere, that they're literally looking at the law and saying, you know what? It just says that you're supposed to do this. And if people didn't think of, you know, unforeseen possibilities when they wrote the law, then sorry, Charlie, that's on you and you need to write better laws. Hmm. That's better than substituting your judgment and just saying, no, nah, we just don't think you need to do that. Like I look at uh, I look at some places and they say, no, nah, we're just, you know, we're going to we're going to shut down polling places here. We're going to only allow a certain number of voting boxes there because we don't think it's necessary. At least the Supreme Court is looking at the text of the law, or at least that's what it seems like to me so far and saying, yes, you're allowed to have discretion and exercise it here for good or for ill. Or no, you're not allowed to have discretion. Here's what the letter of it says. But isn't that essentially happening? Like you mentioned the polling stations. That is happening across the country. That stuff is happening, but that's also allowable under the law. That gets into yeah, a larger, I, yeah, a larger I don't, question I, I, the Voting I don't Rights think Act that's, is stricken down. I don't think that's as a result of a of a judge's ruling. I think that's as a result of the 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 the, the people that run the elections in specific states how they decide to set up their their polling stations or lack thereof. I don't think that it has yes. come down to judges' rulings. Yes, that, that that's a that's a systemic, in my opinion, I should say, a yeah. systemic exercise of power to suppress vote. Right. And, and again, I'm using this just as a, a, a real loose example or a comparison, and, and we're kind of having that discussion. But essentially, when you get to the point of deciding 
whether it be in a district or whatever, the courts could eventually like much like what happened in 2000. The Supreme Court was brought in to get involved in the election process, which doesn't normally happen. Right. I mean, not typically. Yeah, not not typically. The 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 Electoral College is meant to be adjudicated by Congress. God help us. (laughs) But if there's if there's a dispute in in how the Electoral College is voting, Congress is supposed to resolve it. Right. And the issue in Florida was not an Electoral College issue. The issue in Florida was trying to determine how people voted that day. And it was nuts. And the Supreme Court was handed a can of worms, and they had to make a decision very quickly. And the result was a a flawed decision that people are going to be talking about for at least another century. Yeah. I will say by the same token, I they were handed a no-win situation. I don't know what they were going to do that was going to actually have any type of legitimacy to either side. They did not have the time to try to come up with the wisdom of Solomon. They had to make a decision in like 36 hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I wanted to just uh, jump to – I have a very specific question. Dave, do you happen to know – or uh, Greg or Scott, do you happen to know what the polling is looking like for Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison. Damn close. For that race. Okay. Damn close. Okay. In South and it sh- And it shouldn't be close. Yeah. There is no scenario where the Republican senator from South Carolina should be losing to the Democrat, should be even close to a Democrat candidate, unless something big is happening. So I'm not prepared to count Lindsey Graham out until – the door is actually slammed and the guy is done. But the fact that this thing is even close is very, very interesting to me. And that's why it's one of the states that I'm watching for a surprise. Because I'm like, not only could Jamie Harrison knock off Lindsey Graham, which would be one of the big David and Goliath stories of, of the modern cycle. But South Carolina, I'm thinking, is a dark horse candidate to flip blue on the presidential side. Because I don't think there are enough split ticket voters to bring Biden in. And the thing that's one thing that's interesting to me is that I have a theory that actually the uh, the military vote, meaning active duty military personnel, their dependents, and their immediate family, I actually think that voting block that has traditionally been Republican for probably the last 30 or 40 years, I mm. think it's going to go Democrat this time around. And wow. South Carolina is a heavy military Dave, state. Another question. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk. Let's for one second just talk about uh, the possibility of what is happening with Mitch McConnell. I. I'm seeing some recent news and some footage with him and photos, and I just want to know, has his contract with Satan expired, and <laughs> is he starting to mutate? Because the colorization and the dark splotches showing up are starting to terrify me. Yeah, I ask about Lindsey Graham because because uh, Scott's mention of the Supreme Court, and uh, I'll show uh, – I think all of our true colors have been shown by now, but just the complete hypocrisy around um, – uh, allowing the president to nominate uh, to to install a, a new member of the Supreme Court a week before the election, uh, when he said what he said uh, four years ago prior to the Trump's election, uh, is just unbelievable to me, and I I want him to pay at the polls. And and I think that's going to cost him uh, honestly a couple of percentage points because I I do think there are people who that will vote Republican and will will always be a habitual Republican vote, but to have somebody who just on it so blatantly goes back on their word. Yeah. It, it's going to knock some folks out of off of voting for you. 
and, and by the they way, don't vote for your opponent. They're just not going to vote for you. But, by but, the way, Jamie Harrison I, has brought in so much money. He's running ads in support of a third party candidate that dropped out five weeks ago to try to draw a vote <laughs> from Lindsey Graham. <laughs> I, I I think that McConnell's still pretty handily winning Kentucky though. But, uh, I see what you did there with the pun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I make light of it, you know. But and it's fun to see this the, the pictures. But I was concerned. I was thinking he was starting to pull a President Johnson. You know, he's just falling downstairs or something. I don't know what's going on with the guy. I think that was President Ford. But Ford, uh, I I have heard that a side of there is a side effect of a drug that causes skin discoloration, and okay. that drug is hydroxychloroquine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's real. That's that's legit. That's not a joke. No rim shot there. <laughs> so that that might be that might be the explanation. Uh, McConnell and, and McConnell, I will say he is a Republican who he's not very public about it, but he's a polio survivor. I guarantee he he's not somebody who's a denier about this whole thing. He's taking it with a certain grain of of seriousness. He's, he's just, you know, he's been not one of the guys policy decisions. Yeah, he, he's he's one of the guys who has been pretty adamant about people you know, wearing masks and socially distanced, you know, uh, I, I'm not trying to defend Mitch McConnell in, in, in any way, shape or form, but he has been, you know, if, if you're going to talk about guys who have promoted that, he's been one of them, you know, uh, he has been. Yep. Yeah. If, uh, if, if there are, if, if there is anybody who I think is just pure evil though, in the Senate, it is Mitch McConnell. That guy <laughs> is a fucking cartoon supervillain. Uh, you know, I, I don't like Trump. Um, that's just my personal preference, mm. but I I understand the the I understand why people support him. I get it, you know. Mitch McConnell, I don't understand. The guy is like you say, he is just so craven and so diabolical in his quest for power, um, and that's all it is. That's all it is. And he just disgusting. craves power, and it's I, disgusting. I, I'm kind of in awe of it, to be honest, because he's he's yeah. so he's he's very nakedly craven about it, and he's also very good at it. That's why I'm a yes. little a little yes, in awe. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's very good at it. You know, that's why but, I'm saying like he, he's Bond villain esque. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, it's why I have Kentucky though as a surprise state because. The presidential race will, is not drawing a lot of attention there, and there is a presumption that McConnell is going to win and win easily against uh, Amy McGrath. Mm-hmm. But with all the unrest that's happened in that area of the country, particularly Louisville and the Breonna Taylor scenario, situation that's there, I, I have it there as a surprise state because if you know something – I keep saying the phrase – if something big is happening and it's a national trend, Kentucky could be a surprise. And Kentucky's a state that closes its polls early. It's not a super populous state. I anticipate they're going to have some good vote counts for us early. I'm going to be watching it just to see what happens. Because frankly, even if McConnell ekes out a squeaker win, I mean, which is still a win, which is what everybody expects. But if he wins by like four points when everybody was expecting him to win by 12, that's going to be significant to tell us what the mood of the country is. And that's going to suggest to me that Ohio will tip Biden. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dave, we're going to we're going to wrap this up, Dave. That was amazing analysis, as always. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Any final thoughts just as we wrap up this segment, Dave? Lightsaber noises. Anything? I, I just want to say I, I think our, our colors show I know I have shown my colors over the year over the last four years on this show but I mean this sincerely from the bottom of my heart whatever your political beliefs are agree or disagree you need to get out and vote 
get out and vote. Let the country actually speak with a large and resounding voice this time around, whatever the outcome is. The best, the best percentage-based voting turnout that we've had in probably 50 years was in 2016, and that was a 61% turnout election. We can do better than that. I was going to say, the last one was like 51%, which is just pathetic. Pathetic. I I think the best turnout that the country has ever had in an election was the stolen election of 1876, where 80% of the the eligible voting population turned out. I think it's critical. Win, lose, or draw for whatever your political belief is this time around, show up and vote so that we can really see this is where the country is, this is what the country feels, and here's the direction we're going for better or worse. Off my soapbox. Well said. Well said, Dave. Thanks, guys. Thanks for entertaining us uh, or letting us entertain this uh, topic, listeners. Really appreciate you hanging in there, the 17 of you that that listened to the show so far uh, through an Man, hour. Star Wars minutes. talk. We, ju- we just did like 35 minutes on politics. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time we've been off, off topic, but maybe the first time we've intentionally been that off topic for an entire I, show. Hey, I, uh, I warned you in the cold open, folks. I hey. did give you a warning. You see, my friends here are a perfect example of the combined talents of the Wretched Hive podcast. How do you say that? Camino? Camonians? Camino? Camino? Camonians? Camonians. 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 Okay, wow. Coca. Plagius. Plagius? Lee Iacocca. Math is hard. Bob Lee Coca. Can we just get back to the show, please? All right, let's do one, one Star Wars story so that it we is can a Star Wars podcast. Star Wars podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna get it started with. Uh, I'm gonna get us in the mood here, guys. The Mandalorian season two, Mando, is dropping so today. Pumped. Today, so pumped. October thirtieth. As Dave has said many times, we have something to watch. <laughs> Uh, during the, world the uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, during the chaos that will ensue following November 3rd, you can watch with us the Mandalorian every Friday streaming on Disney plus. You make uh, it sound like we're going to do a watch party. We're not going to do a watch party. People. We might, I, if there's a demand what, for it. with listeners. Sure. Why not? Uh, the, the 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 rabble the the maybe, just maybe the, not week one maybe not week one so so just this with the peasants the and the peons the this plebeians is the, this is what we're aiming for this is the payoff this is why you've listened to the show Star Wars fans for an hour and fifteen minutes of Dodgers and pol- political bullshit to get to the real stuff yes Star Wars the wars so we are going to do we're going to attempt to do an episodic review every week get together the day after the episodes drop on Friday we're going to come together some group of us some portion of this here group is going to come together on Saturday and review that week's episode for you no fan will be left behind on this show and uh, we hope you'll join us for those episodic reviews of season 2 of The Mandalorian starting this weekend yeah whether you agree with our politics or not and putting up for 35 minutes with all of this, <laughs> we are here for you and your Mandalorian pleasure. That's right. 
Am I uh, a giant? A that's a whole different I... show, Scott. That's a whole different show. <laughs> Mandalorian after hours. <laughs> Am I a giant geek if I say I'm really looking forward to the end credits for, of every episode? Oh, they were fantastic. Oh. All the production artwork from the... Yeah, those oh, artwork frames are yeah. so good. Oh, it's yeah. so great. So go to StarWars.com. There's tons of information. You've got new character posters. Uh, you've got the trailers. You've got a countdown to season two. And actually, as you listen to the show, it is here. Um, some of us, I know, are staying up until midnight on Thursday. You know I will. They say that the runtime of the first episode runs uh, like close to 50 minutes or something like that. So ex- expect a supersized episode one of Mandalorian. I hope they're all about that. Because wow. like, the last ones, I think the last ones, very, like the shortest one was about something like 28 minutes or something like <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. Some of them were pretty short. Yeah. And considering the credits are like five minutes, I mean, yeah. it, it was yeah. basically like the length of a Cheers episode. Exactly. <laughs> so... Was it first or second episode that was that short? It was. I was like, wow. I hope they're not all this bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> short. I mean, bad short. But so, so yeah. I was in the uh, I was in the bedroom uh, in the back of the house taking a little siesta this evening before the uh, the old podcast uh, launched, and uh, I heard some familiar music coming from the living room. Wretched Hive wife Lisa was rewatching, boning up on the Mandalorian without me. I'm so proud of her. I watched the entirety of season one last weekend, um, yeah, so I, I. I, I am caught up 100%. I'm feeling good about it. I just relived it, and yeah, uh, all of the episodes are fantastic, except for the uh, the A-Team episode where they go to the little village. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I'm not, and Greg, are you saying that episode is horrible, or are you saying it's just not it, fantastic. It, it's it's not the best episode. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at that. It's not the best episode. It's a departure, right? Because you've got episode one, two, and three are taking you down this path, and they're all so good. Yeah, and it's such yeah. great Star Wars. And then episode four is just like this departure into this little side highway that we go down yeah. for. You know, but minutes. that is the introduction of uh, of Cara Dune, though, and and she turned into a really strong character by the end of the season. So, uh, so I, I'll live with it because I I do like her character. You know, by the end of the season, she's definitely part of the team, part of the crew, um, and I'm glad she's coming back for for season two as well. Because yeah. I I asked that question because I I think back to the X Files, and that's what my analogy is here. The X Files had, of course, the mythology episodes. And they had kind of the the standalone Monster Monster. of the Week episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, the really shitty episodes of the X-Files were in the standalone Monster of the Week episode. Yeah. And they were were oftentimes weaker episodes, but if it was a genuinely shitty episode, it was a a Monster of the Week episode. And that's why I was asking my questions. I was like, are you just saying it wasn't a good episode, like a mythology episode episode of the X-Files? Are you saying that it was like... A really shitty one, like that first season episode of the X Files, where the computer flipped out and was killing people in the building. <laughs> I think it's more the former than the latter. I think it's I think it's more the former. Um, I, I I actually didn't mind episode four. It was fine. It wasn't as good as the as the first three and and the, maybe the rest, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't upset with that episode. More as I was kind of disappointed, mm-hmm. and the fact that they they. That's such a played out trope in mm, cinema yeah. 
and and any sort of film really the you know here's the the good guy is super strong has to save the villagers who are being you know raided by bandits over and over again i mean we've even seen that in the clone wars there was an episode of that so that story has already been played out in store in star wars um well there's an episode of the clone wars that dealt with the school lunch program i mean <laughs> that is true. yeah I, I i've got finished watching that episode my attitude my my reaction was well i hope they don't make another episode like that one and they didn't <laughs> yeah, so right. so it, it worked out okay and it's totally <laughs> fair i mean my reaction to it was that i didn't enjoy it as much i i would not try to convince people to watch the mandalorian by watching that episode but i had this reaction of like oh they clearly have to find a way to tell non-mythology stories you know and, and to have a, a successful TV season, this is our first attempt to find what that formula looks like. So I was maybe I was giving him a little more saving grace because of that that reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, I, I'm one of the guys that really just hated that episode and I'm OK with that. I still I well, but here's the thing. I've, I've it had, was the last Jedi of Mandalorian episodes. It was. It was. <laughs> I, I may have used that term. Um but I want to say I want, this is a little fun segue I want to throw in there while we're talking about this real quick, Steve. Um, I got to do another guest spot on Generation X-Ray uh, mm-hmm. last week, and we actually discussed this episode. So if you want to hear more about my take on it and my coming, uh, basically having a change of heart about this episode slightly, I still don't like okay. this episode. All there right. was some new stuff brought to light, and I found it very interesting. So. I want to say a real quick thank you again to the guys over at Generation X-Ray, um, uh, uh, Matt and Darren. You guys are awesome, but I am more excited right now to be doing these weekly, uh, these uh, next the day after the show follow-ups with you guys. I can't wait. It's going to be tough. Fun. Yeah, you know, we, we, and, and we haven't really discussed a, a format of that yet, and then we just kind of threw it out. It, it may be in the form of a of a Disney watch it on our end, so it, it it almost may be that you can watch the episode as you're listening to our little commentary. It's it's possible. I guess it's possible, right? Yeah, yeah sure. it's possible. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We're not we're not going to. Yeah, we're not. We're not going to. Yeah, we're not going to call it directly a a a running commentary of the episode. It is very much going to be a review, but I think it's going to be in conjunction with watching the episode. As I think, but, we're gonna yeah, write, but right? it will be spoiler full. Spoiler yeah. full. Just Where's our spoiler warning? Where's our spoiler warning? Oh, we'll get it. Well, we don't have to play it right now. <laughs> but I will say, if we are going to do some kind of a watch party commentary, important tip for my close personal friends Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. Yeah. Uh, make sure the volume on the TV is turned all the way down when we're recording, because if we extraneously pick up and record an yeah. episode of The Mandalorian or a Star Wars movie, that might be a copyright violation. Probably. Yeah. No. Oh. Probably not a good idea. Uh, all right, that guys. attention. That was excellent. Um, associate counsel uh, over there. I love guys, copyright violations. Uh, we <laughs> do have. Let's do some quick hits. By the way. Dave, I don't want to forget you mentioned that you had a Star Wars choices queued up for us, and uh, maybe do, you still want to do that. We can do it at the end. Uh, we can. It's say- not. A, no, it's not an ender thing. It was actually more of an opening thing, and that was my fault. I should have. I should have said yeah. something. It's not an exactly. ending. Not an ending thing. That's all right. All right. Okay. I, we- I have a one-off story that's not Star Wars related that I wanted that I would I could talk about though. All Spot right. Well, I, we we've got a, We've got a couple of quick hits, really quick. Um, sure. So, uh, you since we're on the Mandalorian. 
don't forget about that Razor Crest that is out there from uh, from uh, Hasbro. Steve, have you seen the updates on that? Yes, I'm looking oh. at it right now, dude. They this- unlocked the next two tiers and the uh, the full uh, container storage of the carbonite. Oh my god! This thing. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do a little screen share really quick since we're you know we're going all in. We're just uh, we're getting crazy they, here. I uh, mean, not only do they supply all the carbonite show. characters you saw in the first episode. I swear to God, they're going to put an active working carbonite chamber in there. <laughs> uh, can you guys see the uh, the Razor Crest image, or did yep. I share yep. improperly? Yep. Three hundred and fifty dollar toy. And, I'm going to be every fanboy and fangirl right now, <gasps> baby Yoda. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So let me get to where I can scroll. So, but you got to see the detail. Yeah. The detail in this thing is impressive. Okay, so you can take it apart like the uh, Jawas did. Uh, in episode two, I think it was, uh, the detail on this thing, it looks very, it's, it's, you know, the used universe, uh, aesthetic. So good. It's, it's, it's really well, oh, are we, well, that's the end. Okay. Oh, there's, looks like some sort of a, uh, his sleeping uh, chamber or his bed. I think it's an escape pod, isn't it? Is that the escape pod? Oh, sure. <laughs> it's his bed. It's his <laughs> bed. Escape pod. It's all the same, right? Uh, it's, it's a skate pod until Steve has had a beer and a whiskey and then it's, it's bed. Um, <laughs> look at that paint job. Um, that's, that is looking like a model that you could use for filming almost. I mean, that is really nice. Uh, yeah, I see some, some green screen filming we're going to be doing soon. Yeah. Do they have one that's been vandalized by Jawas? Yeah, they do. They do actually. Uh, look, you can take the side panels apart. Yeah. Uh, there's there's one there's one vandalism uh, right there. Yep. There's one shot here of man. Look at the cockpit. That's a lot of detail. That's great. Isn't that cool? So, uh, so 350 bucks. Uh, you can own a plastic replica of the model used. Very nice replica of the model. And it, now yeah, does, it's a replica of a model. <laughs> uh, oh there's baby yoda he even comes with baby yoda and he's the got child. The, the child yes thank you jesus yeah there's <laughs> a lot of detail here oh we got a season two uh floaty pod thing that he's in yeah he's, he's chrome does chrome. he have chicky nuggets i think so i think that's the bowl chicky that he's nuggies. <laughs> you know some people are going to buy this ship for that little just for the baby Yoda. Just three hundred and fifty dollars for a little one-inch baby Yoda replica. Oh yeah. Well, look, you can re, you can, you can recreate the, the famous scene with the, you know, episode one. Yeah. The first shot that's, of baby Yoda. That's still that's, like re, rewatching the, the first episode. That's still an incredible shot. The reveal of, of the child for the oh, very first time. It's yep. just a, amazing. Like yeah. the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, God yeah. and man. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's the moment where I said, oh my God, it's Lone Wolf and Cub in outer space. And I was yeah. like texting Greg Glenn because I'm like, do you understand? Exactly. <laughs> nailed. You exactly. nailed that, by the way. The Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, you crushed that. Um, yeah. So these, it's just pretty. There's one shot I want to get to. I'm sorry. I'm scrolling through here. Um, this is the shot. I mean, it just looks like a like almost like a production still. You know, they've got the Andalorian posed inside the ship, climbing up or down the ladder, and uh, it it looks, it looks great. 
Yeah. The detail on that on this is really nice. So 350 bucks has lab order yours today. Fun stuff. Mm, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what would what would Mrs. Lent's reaction be if you came home with that, Mr. Lent? Oh, oh I, I can't even imagine. I, I I hope it's really big because I'd be living in it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, another quick hit, really quick here. Uh, Kanye West made the news guy. this week. Vice uh, presidential candidate Kanye West. <laughs> yes, that, that the one and the same. Uh there's another a little podcast called the Joe Rogan Experience that he uh, that he was on, yeah, and uh, talked about uh, Star Wars and his opinion gave his opinion on the prequels versus the sequels. I've got a little sound clip here. It's about thirty seconds. Kanye West on Star Wars. Check this out. You know, you know, hand. And this is one thing I want to say, like. And this is about to make me mad right here. The first time you see me get mad in an interview. They said that George Lucas's prequels are worse than the corporate made Disney Star Wars. I'll get mad at that too. Like that, that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. We saw how Darth Vader was made. Yeah. Like I watched that like ten times during COVID. <laughs> like, don't jump, Anakin. No. I got the high ground. Those early. <laughs> so that's Kanye. Watching Star Wars uh, during COVID, I, I'm I, I'm well, pretty impressed. I, he's got my vote. I'm just saying. Revenge he didn't even get is... the line right. He's watched it ten times. He didn't get the line right. The line is, "It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground." Yeah. Not anymore. It's not. It's now. Don't jump. <laughs> don't underestimate me. The yeah. uh, Revenge of the Sith is the best of those movies. Yeah. So uh, you know, he's, he's watching Kanye, the right one. But Kanye, um, Kanye and Scott. Are in alignment in their beliefs on this. Pre- <laughs> I, yeah, prequels are better than the sequels. Damn I, it. I always, I always me, think. Hey, me too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm with you too. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Dave. sorry. But I was gonna say, I always think of that. It's a stupid meme, but it just makes me laugh every time I see it. It's the, it's a picture of little Annie from Episode One. Mm. It's like, oh, mom, can I stay home from school? I don't feel well. And then Shmi's like, oh, of course, Annie, you don't have to go to school. And then it's a third picture, just like a normal classroom with a teacher in the front. And he's like, today, boys and girls, we learn about the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, it's stupid and it makes me laugh every time. It's great. It's okay. You got me just now. Um, really quick for the gamers, the gamers out there. Any gamers on the? There's a couple gamers on the show. Once or twice. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer. What? Yeah. This is launched... like the game from like 1999. Yep. Yeah, but it's launching on Xbox. On Xbox One. So Why so updated... soon? They've updated the classic 1999 racing game. Um, I guess it was on PS4, and they're putting it now on Xbox. So I don't know. Does that is that important for you guys? You guys care about that? Yeah, again, Hard I go racing. back. I I go back to why so soon. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I remember when that game was released on Nintendo 64, and it was a cool thing if you had two controllers that you can put them on, because mm. you could use two you could, joysticks. You could operate them independently. Yeah. Oh. Operate and now engines? all the controllers have two. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. And now all the controllers have two joysticks, and you don't need two controllers to do it. All right. That's mm. fun. Huh. So it's you were actually like now this is pod racing. Yep. Wow. Cool. We know you would have to say that too. Updated. Yeah, I know. 
Uh, do we know if it's updated graphics or just a re-release? Or mm, already closed the window. Sorry, yeah, I'm pretty sure on that Xbox One, it's gonna be it's gonna be a 64-bit graphic. I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing with it. Okay. My only question. Um, Did it come from Lucasfilm? Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, well. I think they disbanded the Good gaming division, so it's all EA now. So Nico's gonna have to suffer through it. <laughs> oh no! Oh damn! It's okay. Uh, I don't. I don't play on console, like the rest of the plebeian world. P- uh, PC snob. PC any, master race for life. Any Star Wars uh, Christmas ornament collectors? You guys, we've never really talked about this. I don't think this has ever come up on the show. Does anyone collect Star Wars Christmas ornaments? I don't collect them, but I no. do have a few. I've picked up a few over the years. Mm-hmm. All right. What a shock. Well, here, here's one. I, I'm not going to describe this. I'm just going. I'm going to show you. Craig, I don't have. My uh, my uh, Rancho Obi Wan South collection. You so. know the whole fucking tree is like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I will say my wife does like to theme Christmas trees every year, and I believe we did have a Star Wars themed tree one did. year. So yep, you did. Know. You had a Death Star disco ball on top of it. Yeah. We did. We did. Well, here's here's the ornament for you. Um, trying to share my screen. I don't know if you can see that, but uh. It's the uh, it's an iconic shot from the set. Aww. Yes. With uh, Peter Mayhew holding Carrie Fisher in in costume. And what uh, is wrong with Chewbacca's eyes? Yeah, it's a little <laughs> <laughs> too much eyeliner. Woof. I can't zoom in. I want to zoom in on those eyes. Uh, he's there crying. Go. He's crying because he finally got his medal from the first <laughs> movie, and it made his eyeliner run. Yeah, but that's uh we've all seen the shot of uh, Peter Mayhew in the Chewbacca costume holding holding Carrie Fisher, a tiny little Carrie Fisher. She probably yeah. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that's probably to scale too because <laughs> she <laughs> was tiny. Yeah, she was a little thing back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually might pick that up. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was right up your alley, man. That's yeah. a Hallmark uh, ornament. Hall and the uh, the title of the article is Hallmark punches Star Wars fans in the feelings. Yeah, and that's I have to say though that is such a solid choice because usually you they take the characters and they try to to do something that's in keeping with a scene from the movie or how the character would be in the movie. That is such a good choice to take a candid behind the scenes shot and turn that into the ornament. Yeah, it's such a strong decision. You know, I'm sorry, I re- I read the wrong uh, thing. It's the uh, the article is titled "Iconic Star Wars BTS Behind the Scenes Photo Becomes Ornament to Make You Cry," posted on October 27th. So you can find that online at bleedingcool.com.com. All right, guys, we this has been a long show, and uh, boy, this has been an interesting show. I've really enjoyed this show. Um, and I hope you guys <laughs> really enjoy this. It's the Star Wars uh, Tweet uh, of the Week. Yeah, really? Curious. Because everybody knows that Twitter is a source of endless positivity. You're gravely mistaken. Come to your senses! Well, uh, there are a few Twitter accounts that are kind of funny. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> guys, the... Uh, Star Wars Tweet of the Week, brought to you by the Wretched Hive Podcast. The only place you'll find the Star Wars Tweet of the Week online, and the only place online that the Star Wars Tweet of the Week this week is a Dodger. 
tweet of the week from the great, the one and only, the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years, the great Vin Scully on October 27th, yesterday, or two days ago, when the Dodgers won the World Series, uh, as we record the show, uh, at the Vin Scully, he tweets, 55, 59, 63, 65, 81, 88, and now 2020. What a year. What a season. What a team. Congratulations, Dodgers. I'm excited he was alive to see it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I I was going to have to play a a sound clip after that tweet, but I can't now because that, uh, yeah, that is, that, that's the tweet of the week right there. All right. Go ahead. What's your sound clip? Play it. No trial, no, no nothing. (laughs) (laughs) wow everybody just vote yeah are we gonna make it through this like what's gonna what's it what's the world gonna look like on november 4th or 5th or 6th We'll be in well, a revolution. COVID right? will be COVID will be gone. Everything will be open back up. <laughs> like a miracle. It'll be, it'll be like like a miracle. Just go. Yeah. We're, we're rounding the corner on COVID. The only problem is we're rounding the corner into a dark alleyway filled with muggers and thieves. <laughs> yeah. It's like the coyote going it's into disgusting. a tunnel when it's actually just a painted rock. <laughs> oh, hey guys, well, there. I'm so sad to say that I was going to have a surprise for you tonight, but uh, it got delayed again. I have the Tiki Land Baby Yoda mug. Oh, you have it? Oh. It was supposed to be here, but they just sent me an update, so I won't have it until sometime in the middle of the show. So, Sons of bitches. Ah. Sons of bitches. But I do have the update of the new color and the final glaze, and damn, this thing looks awesome. <laughs> I'm super share, happy. Share a picture. Can you share a screen while we're uh, on? Yeah, yeah. Let me do that real quick. All right. All right. Uh, guys, episode 164 of the show. In a row? It is officially in the mm-hmm. books. Uh, big week. Big week in... Uh, oh, that that's a nice looking... Wow, that's a lot of detail on that. Is that the image there? That middle? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. Go check. Where where can folks find that picture, Scott? What is that? Where do they have to go? Uh, if you're on Instagram, just look for at Tiki Land, uh, okay. which is one of the big uh, tiki festivals here in the Southland, um, Southern California. And um, oh, where am I going here? I have no idea. There we go. All right, you uh, yourself off. Um, (laughs) guys the Dodgers are champions there's an election coming up next week Mandalorian starts today if you haven't watched it yet what 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 is going on with you what is your problem stop listening to this show right now and play the Mandalorian Uh, have a great couple of weeks take care of yourself and may the force be with us all Vote. This concludes my TED Talk.